What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of CMA Podcast. How is everybody doing? Today, I am joined by Matt Stocks. Matt is a DJ, a presenter, a writer, a photographer, and a life winner and current badass in real time. Matt, how are you doing, sir? I'm good. You said you were going to give me a fair introduction, and that was beyond fair. That was very, very complimentary indeed. Um, I think it I was am fair. all of those things and many more. Not all of them good, but um, I am. Uh, I'm thrilled to be on your show, mate. Thank you for having me. Awesome, man. It is an absolute pleasure to have you on. I'm so glad I reached out to you. I, I was saying before we were recording that you know there are people that we talk to in life. There are people that we have on our podcasts. There are celebrities. And then there's people that really make an impact on your life. Um, I have a very, uh, not I wouldn't say it's a funny story, but it's, I think it's a really cool story about how I got to know who you were and what you were about. Okay. Yep. All right. Lay it on me. Lay it on so, me. <laughs> it's a, make really, this one fair. <laughs> I'll make it fair. I will make it fair. But make it um, true. It's true. It's very true. But it's one of those ones where I think if you hear it, you'll be like, all right. But for me, it's super, super special. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Steel Panther and Gus G were playing in Switzerland. You were on tour with them. Uh, you were doing a DJ set before the show, or part of the show. Excuse me, that was that was unfair. Yeah, it was uh, from Doors till Gus, and then from after Gus till till Steel Panther came on. Yeah, and it was Correct. the the Sunset Strip tour. So it was Steel Panther doing the 80s covers. Um, there was a couple of like, obviously Steel Panther originals in the mix too. But yeah, it was a very unique experience because not only are they the most fun band in the world, but it was them covering the most fun songs in the world. Um, yeah. Very fond memories of that tour. Yeah, like that That was a, a phenomenal show. If you get the joke, like I tell my colleagues friends at uh, work whatever and hey i'm going to see steel panther tonight they're like steel panther you know uh, if you get the joke come on work with us here so i remember going to the show i left the i, I live in lucerne switzerland and i got to the show uh via where train. was the gig i don't remember basil just short of basil place called Prateln, uh yes. in z7 yes and my favorite music venue in any country I've ever been, ever. I love that place so much. So dear to my heart. Tragedy that I haven't been to a concert there in many, many years now. Ridiculous. But we'll save that for any sort of pandemic podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm really ringing out this story here. Uh, That's right, so, you got to just build it up. Yeah, build it up so that everybody's like, what? <laughs> so long story short, the end. No, um, I get to the show. I had my little Jack and Coke on the train. Beautiful. I get to the show and it, it, that venue is, it's a small venue, but it's a very beautiful venue. Um, to the point where me and my friends, where we go to the shows, we don't like text each other. Hey, I'm going to be at this door at this time. Um, we all just kind of like meet in the front by where the food is and we, we head in. And I'm not the kind of guy that stands outside and smokes and waits for the smokers to be done. I just want to get inside. And it was cold that night. It was February in Switzerland. It's not good. Um, but I remember opening the doors and you at the time were DJing and I didn't see you yet. But when you op when I opened the doors, I think you just hit the intro to Twisted Sister, I Want to Rock. 
And I just got this overwhelming feeling of satisfaction because it brought me back to a moment in Wayne's world. Now, I know it's not the song, but when they walk into their local bar, I think it's for the fundraiser. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know the exact moment. And yeah, that's that kind of drop, isn't it? When you open the door at the right time, the right beat, the right lyric, and you're like, it feels like that song has been selected specifically by the universe as the soundtrack to your personal moment in that moment. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. That's it, man. It was a beautiful, beautiful moment for me. I walked in. And I was dressed. Oh, am I going to blow your story? Did you get to see me? See me? Didn't see you yet. Didn't see me yet. So we should say, because it is such a small venue, all the other shows I'd done on that tour, I was on the stage and I'd be DJing from stage. And then just before Zach comes on, they'd wheel me off. But because Z7 is small, I was actually in the sound desk at the back of the room. Dave, back to you. Back to me. There you go. Um, yeah, so I remember I got my beer. You know, I got my my usual spot at the start of the show was in front of the sound desk because I'm an intelligent guy. Um, and I look up and I, I rooted out the picture on my social media where, you know, you got to take your picture of the beer and the stage and who we're seeing tonight. Uh, you're there. You're DJing. And I just had that memory of, of, of uh, that feeling of Wayne's World. And you have the Wayne's World hat on. And I'm like, he's got the Mike Myers wig on and he's got the black T-shirt. So I thought, hang on a second. Went straight to my phone, typed in on my notes, Wayne's World hat and put my phone back in my pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, fast forward the next day, I went online and I bought a Wayne's World hat because you inspired me. And you're not looking now, but <laughs> I I'll love it. I'll join you, dude. I'll join you in this moment. <laughs> Amazing. I got the Wayne's World hat, dude. Yours is way better than mine. The tech. There I you can't, go. It's the, the light is killing me here, so I'm going to turn it back backwards. But there you go. That's, that's a my Wayne's thing, World story. Mate. And it's, you know, these hats are pretty rare to find. It took me a good couple of hours of eBay digging. Um, to find this one and uh, I love that mate that's amazing yeah that kind of um, whole whole tour and whole experience is uh, a part of my life that I'll always remember fondly um, and the Wayne's World costume went down a storm as I knew it would like how could it not it was just the perfect costume for the perfect audience on the perfect tour and uh, the fact that you actually had that exact you know like memory spark of a wayne's world scene way before you'd even see me dressed as wayne is i mean that's the universe right there working in her mysterious and wonderful ways i love it it. wonderful moment man i'll never forget it and then fast forward the show happened we went home we had a, a great you know time at the show and then steel panther like the next day started posting their pictures of the end of tour and you were tagged And I'm like, oh, it's the DJ. So naturally I went to go and follow the DJ. And uh, and then I looked down through your content and you're like the who's who and what's what of uh, whether it's podcasting, interviewing uh, anyone in the industry. I kind of naturally am attracted to in that sense, because, you know, if, if you're interviewing the. Uh, the rock stars you've got access to the rock stars you're living the rock star life essentially you're in that industry and i absolutely love what you put out there and been a fan ever since that wonderful moment amazing well yeah that's cool man that means a lot i wish more people would do that actually you you think right because the tours that i've been on you play to like a couple of thousand people a night 
Um, I think that's still Panther Tour was, say, eight, nine, or ten dates. I can't remember exactly. So, you know, that's 30,000, 40,000 people that you're reaching in a couple of weeks. And you think, man, I'm going to get loads of new followers after this. I'm going to get loads of new listeners for my podcast. Shit's going to blow up. And in the last five years since doing Life in the Stocks, and I now stoke the fire as well for two podcasts, I've done like a dozen or so tours. So that's like 100,000 people plus festivals. So there's probably been like about 150,000 people over the last five years that I've been in front of, playing to. I've been on the bills and the tour posters and the flyers and the posts from the bands. And so you think, oh, all this awareness, like it's just going to come flooding in. The podcast is going to skyrocket. I'm going to be <laughs> driving around limousines and it's going to be, you know, a one-way fucking rock and roll ticket to the top. But it doesn't work like that at all. So actually, like for you to tell me that story, that's such a rare thing. Um you were obviously conscious and engaged in that experience. And, you know, you mentioned the venue several times before telling me that story. So obviously that says to me that you're somebody who goes to a show to really live and breathe and absorb every second of that night and all the possibilities that it may bring. Whereas a lot of people just get tanked. You know, you said you had your Jack and Coke on the train. A lot of people get tanked up in the local pub miss the support band, go in for the main act, you know, sing and dance, have a good time, whatever. They're free to do what they want. It's their ticket money. And then they leave. Uh, and so, like, what you've just told me there isn't something I do here all the time. It's not something I hear enough. <laughs> and yeah. it's always amazing when you meet someone like yourself who's just so invested in it, in the culture and the lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, that's really cool to hear, and it's really cool to meet you. And um, I'm very pleased that that moment brought us to this moment now. Awesome, man. That's such a cool thing, man. And like, as I said to you before we were recording, like anybody can reach out to the big celebrities and, you know, but it's it's these people that really have an impact on your life, whether it be, you know, friends who are supportive in times of need, struggle, whatever, people you just meet at work and you have that awkward kind of like nod in the corridor um, or, you know, people who you consider your peers or your your brothers, brothers in arms, I guess, when it comes to like uh, what you're doing is in your podcast with Jesse, for example, that's a really cool uh, dynamic that you got going on there. Some awesome chemistry. I love that podcast. Um, like what's next for that? Like you, you, you seem to be really having a good time on that one. Yeah, I mean, um that show has changed my life everything i've done up until launching that show i feel like it was building and leading to that moment um i've worked for like every main company in the uk at this stage be it metal hammer classic rock kerrangs ghost tv worked for all of them at one point or another they've all gone out of money have all gone under so i've had to like you know just readapt and adjust and just keep pushing forward and keep hustling and it gets tiresome after a while because it's, it feels like it's you against the world and that's how it's felt for me for the last five years really because I've been self-employed and, and completely like independent that whole time I haven't had a full-time job a part-time job even like a contracted job um, it's just been me doing freelance you know gig by gig based jobs and then after such a long period of time you kind of just like well, what what's this for why am I doing it I'm not, I'm not sharing this experience with anybody. And I talk to bands that I interview a lot about this, like however bad it is, you know, having to deal with the group politics and group dynamics of a four or five headed beast 
that is a band or five marriages on one tour bus traveling the world and how much of a pressure cooker that can be it really is the best possible feeling in the world i think as a social being to get to share the experience and have like this kind of gang group mentality where it's you us against the world rather than i me um and yeah kind of midway through the pandemic last year jesse and i were talking back and forth quite a lot and we were close before and he'd been on my show a couple of times we'd done this live q a in birmingham uh, we'd had an amazing night tripping on acid together and we just we became really really tight and we share so much philosophies and sensibilities and ideologies and tastes and um midway through 2020 he was just a bit like fuck man like i'm lost i'm bored i'm going out of my mind i don't know what i'm doing with my life like at this stage most people i know anyway in the industry didn't know whether it would ever come back so we're all having these very real conversations with ourselves where it's like was that it like was it all just a dream and is it now done and that sounds perhaps strange now you can go well you always knew it was going to come back but genuinely there was a point in time when it just kept getting pushed back and pushed back we were like fuck man all the venues are going to close all the crew guys are going to leave and retrain and it's just going to be over and so we got together and we're like what can we do that isn't just going to like service our desire to be busy and creative but it's also going to like put something positive back into the world and that's like the number one goal with that show my show is different my show is just like who can i get on that's interesting obviously i want to connect with them and i want to get deep and i'd say that stoke the fire is kind of like a logical extension and evolution of life in the stocks but life in the stocks is really like a kind of cultural document of, of music genres and band stories and then they get the kind of individual personal journey in there too but stoke the fire is just like straight up how can we help people how can we engage people how can we break down this crazy divide that seems to be sweeping the world at the moment whether that's politically whether it is in relation to to covid and you know anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers and like everybody just fighting about everything it seems all the time bickering online what music you like fuck you you like another band to me ah gets so exhausting and fucking disheartening i mean jesse will like let's give everybody that we can get access to and that includes listeners um and i don't know of any other podcast that does that i'm sure there are but i don't know of any that would interview one of their listeners for an hour one week and then have like rob flynn from machine head the next as equals and it's not like a bonus episode it's not like oh we had rob and he's our star now we've got you know somebody from surrey it's like no no these guys are exactly the same billing exactly the same importance within our community um and just give people the platform to share their story openly honestly without bias without judgment and that's that was the goal and then what it's now become is like so way way bigger than we could have ever dreamed of not in terms of like size numbers are good you know they're they're decent enough they're respectable but it's bigger than that like for us it's not about how many people are tuning in it's about how people are receiving it wherever they are in the world and the emails that we get on a daily basis um you know are like they're pretty heavy some of them like it takes me a lot of courage sometimes to even log into the email account to read them because i know that i'm going to be reading about sexual abuse and death and suicide and you know heavy 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 stuff but that was the the door that we opened when we started the show and we said anything goes on this show if you have a story if you have struggle if you have pain if you have trauma then come on our show and get it off your chest and we'll you know go on this journey with you and hopefully reach a positive conclusion at the end 
And that's what every episode has been as well. We don't script. We don't write questions. We don't plan. We just jump on. We make the guest, if they're not like a media trained, you know, celebrity, as it were, we make them feel comfortable. And then we just jump into the show and see where it goes. So this is the longest answer ever. But in terms of the long term, like trajectory and plan, I just want to keep doing what we're doing and stay true to the the model and the ethos and the idea behind the show and then whatever happens happens i do know we want to make it a real life thing so we want to get out there and meet people in the you know the flesh the material world um and have real life campfire discussions and video it and hopefully try and turn it into like a proper travel tv show that's one thing we would love to do but beyond that, man, it's just to keep having these conversations and and keep giving people the platform to just fucking like cut themselves open and bleed their heart out and and bear their soul. That's what we're all about. And yeah, it's it's been the most single transformative project and, and experience I've ever had in my life and continues to amaze and inspire me every day. I love it. I love listening to it, man. It's it's phenomenal. Your your chemistry is what I love the most. And like you just said, you don't seem to script anything. When you talk, Jesse listens. When Jesse talks, you listen. And it's not a case of who finishes the point and then you respond with something that you can now turn into what's about you. It, you're really bouncing it back to each other like a proper conversation. And I, I think that's the difference between a good podcast and a bad podcast. Um, I, I just love listening to you guys and like, not I started this podcast pretty much along the same lines that ye started years. Um, ours is a Mar fight. March time of this year, was it? It would have been later. It would have been July. I think I started this in July because... Wow. Well, man, this yeah. is super fresh then. Oh, yeah. Super. Like Box I'm, fresh. What am I? Uh, episode 42, I think. I think this is number 42. It's funny um, that that's fresh in podcast terms as well, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? TV shows like in this season, there's six episodes. Yeah. Um, no, well, you, you're you're older than us then because Stoke the Fire, pardon me, yeah. um, Stoke the Fire is currently on episode 35. So yeah, you would right. have started perhaps like a month or two before. Yeah, I try which, and get Which like... must have been like just January 2020, right? Or 2021, 2021. No, I, uh, 2021. I, I do like three a week. Um, so I, I get them out as quickly wow. as possible. So I started in July and I try to get as many out as I can based solely on the fact that I, I want to talk about, especially because it's CMA podcast. It's in, with reference to our gym, City Martial Arts. Um, and I just miss being in the gym, talking to the guys about fights, fight styles, fights coming up, fights that happen at the weekend. Um, that whole conversation is gone since the pandemic uh that whole dialogue that whole camaraderie you know hey did and you see the fight right? yeah, yeah yeah the connection of that uh did you see the fight at the weekend no what happened and then you i've seen it 50 times so please allow me to explain you know um but that that's why this was set up with my partner at the gym um now he lives here but we still do it remote because we're lazy um but well also though but it gives you the chance to video it as well doesn't it that's the cool mm -hmm. thing about zoom is it's not quite the same like if me and you were in a room together now it would be more intimate and personable and the, the experience would be slightly more electric and cool but 
then you'd have to like set up cameras and fucking edit those shots together yeah you know it's a nightmare whereas zoom you just like one button bang it gets audio it gets video i don't even fucking touch that thank god we have a producer on stoke the fire which i've never had for my show so we just like record and then give everything to mike is the guy and he kills it but um i know how much work goes into as i told you before we started this i don't edit my conversations when i say i don't edit i mean i don't alter or take out or delete or anything like that or move around but what i obviously do do is like process and fix the audio and top and tail it and record my intro and get the music in there and i listen to it all the way through to pull out clips so you know all of that takes time and then you do all the research as well if you want to do a good interview and so you're doing three episodes a week yeah that's a lot of work man that's killer that's that, that inspires me like three episodes a week is no joke it's fun. I, I really enjoy it because I started uh, with the help of my brother. He, he gave me uh, some idea as to, okay, what devices do you have? You could do this all with your phone and your Mac. Uh, what mic do you want to get? Get a mic that's good and affordable. Um, you know, here's a tutorial for the program that you're going to edit on. And, you know, I did my first episode. It was like uh, 30 minutes and it took four hours to edit. And now I could just bang it out in 20 minutes once I get all the files together, sit down, get a beer and just edit it all together. It takes like 20, 25 minutes, but it's fun. That's why I love it. Oh no, it is fun and it never feels like work, but you know, just it, it's effort and it's time and it's care and it's attention. And um, yeah, I just want to commend you for doing three a week. So that's really impressive. You know, a lot Thank of people you, just think you made it sound there like you do just sit on a mic, spill some shit shit it out into the world but there, there's there's more labor that goes into that i can already tell from, from chatting to you um yeah. so yeah you're doing yourself a disservice there i think but it only feels that way to you because you enjoy it and that's the thing yeah. is if you were doing something you hated that 20 minutes that you're saying it takes to edit would probably feel like three hours to you because you're like oh my god this is killing my soul and that's like that in that little sort of analogy there i think is the secret to to joy and happiness in your life your workplace your personal relationships is like it feels like hard work and it feels like a chore if you're not enjoying it and you're not happy whereas if you have joy and like pleasure in what you do then it feels like that it just you know feels like a treat and a pleasure and a privilege and yeah exactly that and that's what i say to the guys at the gym when we're training uh, if someone looks like they're not having fun boxing if they don't like the the whole sparring aspect of the boxing nobody likes getting hit in the nose if we're honest um but if you don't like it you can figure ways to go about fixing your training so that you do enjoy it there's a few people at my class they don't like sparring so we don't do sparring during sparring time. They do something else, you know. Um, but as you say, if I didn't like editing a podcast, I think this would be a whole different game. I think this would be a let's enjoy ourselves on the mic now and have a great conversation. But then I got to go and edit it all. It's just like that's, that's not when fun. you'd be calling your brother again. Like I'm going to sit out the editing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for the mic tips. Can you do the edit as well? <laughs> Fucking hell. All right. <laughs> yeah but you gotta love it and anything you do you gotta love it if you're putting time into it that's you're not loving it i always say like uh, don't find something you love then like find something that you do enjoy like i don't know i tended bars for years before um working in any music related roles and um i loved it to a point 
I've met some amazing people that are still friends to this day, slept with loads of beautiful women, had loads of crazy, like crazy nights out. Um, but customers would be the bane of, of the bar job. And so now whenever I go to like a place where service is involved, you know, any hospitality kind of building, whether it's a restaurant or a bar or even just like a shop, although that's not hospitality, what's whatever it would fall under, hospitality and leisure. Um, <laughs> I If I'm served by a miserable git, then I'm just like, look, man, I get that you don't like your job because people can be cunts. But if you don't like your job, go get a job where you deal with less people. Go be a yeah. gardener. And then you might actually be really happy. Um, and life's too short to just stay in a role that you hate. And the same is true of a relationship as well. Like, just don't ever allow yourself to be trapped and settle for less. Um, you know, and self-esteem is a big thing. I think some people feel like they don't deserve more. You know, they don't have that morale in themselves to lift themselves out of these situations sometimes. But everybody deserves to feel happy. Everybody deserves to be whole and fulfilled and like engaged with day-to-day -day life, even just like the simple little things. So, yeah, please do not settle for less. Anybody. Sometimes you got to compromise, sure. Um, and you can't have a great time all the time. But if you're miserable in your role, as either a professional or a, a partner, get the fuck out. Yeah, couldn't agree more, mm -hmm. man. I, I, I have this uh, group of friends here and I know two individuals in particular that were miserable pre-pandemic and are consistently for the last two years wishing things would go back to the way they were. But you were miserable that way. What do you do, you know? I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, Finding... you can forget as well. You can quickly forget how miserable you were you know, like say you're in a miserable relationship and then you like end it with that person or they end it with you and you miss them and you're like, oh God, I miss being with that person. And your friend's like, but dude, you, you were miserable. She, they didn't make you happy. You weren't happy. Was, oh, but it's better than being alone. It's like, no, it's not. Get happy on your own and then go find the person that's going to accept you and love you for who you are. Don't just go running back to whoever because it's someone and someone's better than no one. Um, we should be enough. That I, like these are the conversations I've been having with myself for years now. Like, I need to be enough. I need to fucking be happy just being me, being around me, with me, and then only then can I be like a good partner or a good friend or a good anything. You know, you have to love yourself first. If you don't love yourself, nobody else is gonna. Yeah, did I hear this on your podcast or somewhere else? If you can't be happy with by yourself with a cup of coffee, you're not gonna be happy with a billion dollars. Yeah, Jake. My good was friend Jake, Jake Snufnarowski. Uh, that was last was night, on, yeah. He was just on Stoke the Fire. He said, if you're, not, if you're not happy with a cup of coffee, you won't be happy with a yacht. Yeah, with a yacht, that's the one. That's yeah. the quote. Yeah, that would just popped into my head right now. He, um, he was dropping some serious wisdom on that show. And, and yeah, I really enjoyed that one. He said, I was just on the phone to him for like an hour before we sat down to record this. And um, he said another thing. He said, Benjamin Franklin uh, once famously said, if you loan a friend $10 and they disappear and never come back, never pay you back, that's money well spent. Oh, yeah, very good. Because they reveal their true colors right there, and you know, right, that guy's a fucking, that's a sly person right there. I don't need that person in my life. Whereas if they stick around and, you know, it's 10, then it's 5, then it's 20, then it's your wife, yeah. you know, it's like, it's better the devil you know early on. Yeah, he's full yeah. of all these little quips like that, Jake is. But yeah, yeah enjoy the little things, man. Dude, I... I... 
I was thinking this morning when I sent you that message, I was like, do I like, what, am I going to bring this conversation up? Because I, I cried with you guys last night when I was watching that podcast. I, I have my little night set up. I got two phones. I got like right. one for YouTube and one for social media because I'm addicted. Um, <laughs> that's next level i've never heard of that before <laughs> oh it's ridiculous <laughs> at least just, you know you are and you're, you're honest with yourself <laughs> yeah i tried to get off social media about a year ago um but when i took over like it's evidently going very well yeah very well <laughs> yeah no I, I took over the um, i said took over um i'm 50 50 partners with a guy at the gym and I, we both kind of share responsibility with the social media but you know, you got to stay on top of the social media. So that's how they I get you. I got to do it for my oh, job. Yeah. And then insane. you finish work five hours ago and you're still there. Like, oh, God, just got to be on here, man. <laughs> yeah. How many likes? <laughs> <was just> like, <laughs> Jesus. Well, there's but, an interesting uh, thing you can do now where you remove the number of likes that your posts get. Have you seen that? I don't know no. how to change it because I'm pretty, I'm actually surprisingly unsavvy when it comes to social media. Although oh. I post all the time, I've got no fucking idea what I'm doing. Like, I don't know where my peak hours are, whatever. But yeah, I have seen on a few friends thing, I'll be like, oh, there's no number of likes. It's just like a couple. It's if you follow like a couple of the same people, it will say like, you know, say Dave and Matt, but then they'll just be like, that's it. There's no other info. And I was like, oh, cool. That's a really nice idea. Then that just erases that whole, I think more for like kids who are worried about like fitting in and being bullied if they don't have enough likes. I yeah. think that's a very cool feature to just remove. Um, but yeah, sorry. No, you're good. Phone, phone, YouTube, social media. You're in bed. No, no, I'm on. I'm on the couch. I'm on you're the on couch, the couch. and uh, I'm I'm watching the podcast, and it's a super heavy podcast. I won't mention anything about it, but I will put a link here so that people can go check it out on your page because it was a tremendously intense conversation with Jake, yourself, and Jesse. Um, I I just I t I found myself going finding him on social media first of all. Uh, going directly back to two years to seeing what he was posting at that time when he was talking to you guys about his traveling and his airports and what he was going through and the thoughts he was having. For anybody who doesn't know, uh, this guy was on the podcast, really, really depressed with life, trying to figure himself out, failing miserably, but he's good now. <laughs> Spoiler yeah, he loves a happy ending. Stoke yeah. the fire, episode thirty-five. Jake Snufnarowski. Check it out. Yeah. Two hours of, as you say, as Dave says, tremendously intense conversation. Yeah. Um, but I, I think so I what, was, what was he posting then? Two years ago, what what was the general tone that you got? Well, cryptic, but you wouldn't have picked it out at the time. Like the bike, big big uh, uh, bags of trash. Um, posting about you know when someone smiles but they don't smile with their eyes you can tell that they're going through some stuff like if, yeah. if you just see a picture of someone smiling and you like and you move on but when you really focus on someone's eyes you can tell it's a dead yeah. giveaway um he was at some football game and like this would have been around the time where he's like if i die now uh, I'm a happy man or nobody would miss me things like that really really cryptic stuff um, but then there's this huge gap of I guess rehab and then back to posting but on way more le less cryptic more positive um, but that's that's what happens when and this is a compliment to you guys when you're listening to a good podcast you are involved yourself in the situation for that time 
I could yeah, see his, I could see his bike, you know, the bike that he was talking about on your podcast. Um, I could feel the heartbreak when he was telling you guys while his voice was tremoring, you know, um, if you don't mind me saying so, uh, your podcast, Say whatever you want, man. your podcast from a couple of weeks ago, you talked about meeting your parents to give them the talk about how you were feeling. Um, I could feel myself in that Italian restaurant as you were talking to your parents. Um, I think that's the fundamental characteristic of a good podcast. Uh, I'm not there yet. I haven't had anybody come back to me and say, hey, Dave, when you were talking about that thing, I didn't feel it. Like no one has said that to me yet. But again, you've only been going since July. There's plenty of time. (laughs) You're a baby. You're a baby in the podcast world. That's it, man. I'm crawling soon. But, um, well, do, you, do you know what you touch on there, which for me is why I fell in love with radio in the first place, and, and now why for me, podcasting has superseded radio, apart from talk radio, but that's what podcasting is. Like music radio for me has no appeal anymore whatsoever. I can't imagine why anybody would want to listen to music radio when you've got Spotify, YouTube, um, you know, your record collection and podcasts. Like why you'd go to a commercial radio station in 2021 and have some corporate company dictate what music you listen to with some airhead interject a couple of minutes of garbage in the middle of each. Like, it's just that what is the point in any of that? But what great radio is, which is what great podcasting is, is theater of the mind. There's zero budget, you know, but you can get as cinematic as Blade Runner in the storytelling just by describing the location, the color of, you know, the paint on the wall. Like, the more descriptive you are, and sometimes it's just the emotions of the, describing factors but you know you're not there listening to a podcast with your eyes closed trying to imagine every single second of what's being said that's not the way it works but what happens is when you get so wrapped up in the story all of a sudden you're like oh fucking hell i've just been on this 25 minute you know plot synopsis in my head with these guys where i'm playing it all out in my head it's storytelling it's highest form but from unprofessional storytellers so there's there's a rawness there there's an unscripted unpredictable honesty um and jake you know you say me and jesse do very well and i definitely think we have great chemistry and that's because we're just friends and you know it isn't forced in any way or even like thought of we just turn the mics on and we really do we just turn the mics on and we see where the conversation goes and it always goes well um if a little intense sometimes but jake just came on that show and he just dominated he just took it over um, Randy Bly did the same thing when he was on like some guests Melissa Cross kind of did that too some guests just come on the show because they're familiar with it they know the nature of it they know what the kind of goal is is just to fucking get deep so they don't even really need me and Je- um, Jesse to do anything you know some people do just go and we just sit there and kind of go uh-huh and listen for like 45 minutes sometimes literally like monologues over half an hour long and we'll both sit there and then we'll go, okay, how do we interject this in a way that's going to peel it back even more? And that's kind of the goal, I think, is like, how can we just keep on uncovering more and, and getting to the roots of, of these issues that we're, we all go through? Um, and that's the, me- that's the nature of every message that we receive is like, I heard this and I'm going through something similar. Or I know somebody that's been there and what you said reminded me of this. And the more episodes we do, uh, hopefully the more it's being felt and understood by everybody who enjoys the show that like there's so little that divides us ultimately when you break it down and the way like the newspapers and the media and social media and obviously the government and politicians the world over and the corporations they want us divided and distracted and at each other so these institutions will do everything they can 
to try and feed that division. But really, when you break it down, we all feel pain. We all feel joy. We all get hungry, excited. We all want to dance, sing, explore, exercise, make love, listen to music. Like, we all want the same stuff, really. Um, And it doesn't matter where you're from or, like, who you sleep with or who you worship or what you eat. None of these things matter. Like, people are people. Um, And we're just trying to, like, get to the root of what makes us. Yeah, individual, but also universal. Yeah, and that's that's the lofty but simple goal, or simple but lofty. Do you know what I mean? It really is. It's it's that in a nutshell is what we're after, and it sounds, you know, so far fetched that we can even get close to capturing that with just an interview kind of scenario show. But I feel like we do. I feel that like every episode uncovers some really important truth just about the nature of fucking why we're here and what we're doing, and we both go through it and we both experience it. And I think that's what people really enjoy about that show as well is like they see us engaged. You know, you said it felt like you were there. Like it's because we're kind of there too. Like me and Jesse are always like whoever the guest is, we're just like there to hear their story and like absorb it and learn from it. And yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm getting excited just thinking about it. (laughs) It's It's, the best thing I've ever done, man. It's so cool. It's amazing. But for me, like preparing for this podcast tonight, you know, so much I want to say, so much I want to ask, so much I want to get into. And I'm just like, hang on a second. This guy doesn't know anything about me, but I know all of this about him. And and that's because you're so, so honest and forthcoming on, on your like side of the podcast. Um, but it's, it's the fact that you and Jesse both respect to each other. I guess there's a, a friendship there as well that comes with it, but with the chemistry and your respect, um, it just comes across as so genuine and authentic that I feel like I'm a fly on the wall and two friends are just having a conversation. I think that's what separates interview and podcast. And I don't want to be an interviewer like, hey, uh, Steel Panther, did you enjoy the show? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. I don't want that, well, that. You know, That's interesting there because so what you're talking about, I guess, is like a conversationalist and an interviewer. Right. And there are that there's a distinction there. What I try to do with Life in the Stocks is actually a hybrid of those two things because I want to make Life in the Stocks a conversation and I want to make it like natural and laid back and honest. But I also do want to ask provocative, challenging questions with Life in the Stocks. You know, I want to ask John Lydon and Gene Simmons and these kind of spiky characters that people perceive in a certain way. I want to try and like uncover some stuff about them that is going to make people see them in a different light and it's going to get them allow them sorry the chance to reveal themselves in a different light so i do have like questions and a game plan with life in the stocks um but i don't just want it to be me reading hello my name is matt and this is my first question do you know what i mean like the questions are there and i'm ready to throw that script out the window at any moment if the conversation goes a certain way but i do also have a kind of a strategy and a structure in place with that one and that is if i can toot my own horn just a little bit that's why i love doing life in the stocks and that's what i think is special about life in the stocks is it's a laid-back conversational show but then there are those difficult questions as well where people are like oh shit i can't believe he asked that person that and then that the they got that response as well um whereas stoke the fire is there's no agenda whatsoever there you know there's no like and there's a million and one things that we want to ask the guest there's like one question that we have at the start maybe but we don't even like do research you know we'll listen to like 
a podcast or two that they've maybe done recently just to kind of get a sense of where they're at in their head. But we certainly don't go on Wikipedia or like, you know, fucking go fact checking or reading odd interviews. When we have any guest on our show, we don't do any research whatsoever. It's just like, how can we be present and truthful to this moment? And that's all dependent on where the guest is in their life at that exact moment as well. And we've just been really lucky in that sense. Obviously, the people who write to the show, they're actively going out of their way to try and say, like, here's where I'm at now and here's what I'd like to share. But the guests we're just reaching out to and we're like, this is the the format of the show. Do you want to come on? But we don't really know where they're going to be. And then some of the, you know, the kind of the music guest chats, like Randy Bly started crying in his one when he was talking about alcoholism and his recovery. Rob Flynn, I don't know if you saw that one, but yeah. right at the end when we thought we were basically done and wrapping it up, he then started telling us about how he lost his mum and his mum had gotten addicted to drugs really late in her life. Yeah. And me and Jesse were like, we didn't even ask him about this and he talked to us for about 25 minutes about this stuff and you could see in his eye he just needed to get that shit off his chest and the fact that he saw us as the guys to you know, facilitate that discussion um, was a huge, huge honour and actually Ginger Wildheart we've got going up next week on, on Stoke the Fire and he wrote to me he was like, dude, I need to come on this show like I need it for therapy I, 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 love, I love the show, I want to come on and that's now the sort of vibe that we're putting out into the world with both listeners and actually musicians as well is like they know if they come on our show it's going to be a opportunity for them to perhaps get deep and, and dig into some stuff that you know maybe needs to be addressed and that's the fucking ultimate um validation right there and, and like the ultimate um yeah i guess just acknowledgement for, for what we're doing because people see that it's sincere and it's real and they want to come on and, and share in that with us yeah for sure and rob didn't even touch on that on his podcast he kind of sidestepped it like the week after his mom passed away and you know like i guess maybe he just felt a trust with you guys maybe the conversation was just going that way for him and that he felt that he was comfortable in the situation. It wasn't live. He knew it was re being recorded. And it, at the time, it was just him talking to Jesse and you. And I guess you guys are, you guys are pretty cool. Yeah. You know, yeah, you, man, you that were listening, you know. That one stands out. And the Melissa Cross one as well is one I highly recommend if people listening to this haven't checked out the show yet. Um, I mean, you could start with Jake's episode. I mean, that's really a crash course in Stoke the Fire right there. If you start with that one, you'll get a real sense of what we're all about. Um, and it's only the most recent 15 episodes that are available publicly. So I'm trying to think what they are. But another one which has blown me and Jesse away recently was the Melissa Cross one. Um, and again, that's somebody that Jesse's known his whole life. I'd never spoken to before. Um, and she kind of just, but she was also a fan of the show. She'd heard several episodes. She knew the vibe and she just came on and talked about being like raped as a woman, a young woman. And, you know, like going through her, her own recovery steps and her relationship with her parents and, you know, really, really intense personal stuff, which is why when I did my episode, I say my episode, when it was the episode that was just me and Jesse kind of checking in, catching up. And I, sort of unveiled the you know the fun stuff that i've been contending with with lately i was like in my head going well we ask we don't ask this but we encourage this of our guests and we have to practice what we preach and back up 
you know what we say and we can't very well invite all these different people onto the show as guests and have them bear their soul and then keep shit that we're going through locked up because that's not in the nature of you know why we're doing the show and what we promised to do from the get-go so i said to jesse i was like we should just do us two i've basically been going off the rails and you know about to fucking have a meltdown if i don't quit drinking soon so we should talk about that and he's like you sure you want to do that because he didn't even know he had no idea that i'd gone to such a dark place so fast because he's been on tour it really was like a matter of a couple of weeks like in the space of a month i was from like a healthy happy rounded individual to just like going on cocaine benders and fucking losing my mind and um so yeah i said to jesse let's do it let's do an episode about that i left the kind of drug talk out of that one just because you know then you add that in as well it's another layer but again in the interest of transparency like that's a kind of a side addition to the booze is is the the powder as well and um yeah we just got into it and then the amount of feedback that we got from that one i mean we get amazing feedback from all of them but me personally on my private account the amount of messages and stuff um blew me away i wasn't expecting it didn't do it to get that certainly like didn't need it even because i felt like i got from my conversation with jesse and jake i got all i needed to get out of those two chats to then go into the world and, and happily like avoid alcohol um, and not miss it, not need it, not want it. Um, but I've had so many messages just from like randomers all over the joint, just like, hey, heard you on this show. Uh, you know, thank you for opening up and being so raw, um, so brave of you, so awesome that you recognize these problems. Good luck, all the best. Um, I value your work. We love the show. Just like so many loving, supportive messages from strangers. Um, and as much as I love life in the stocks and as much as I will continue to do it and I enjoy it and it fulfills me, I so rarely get messages like that from that podcast because it's a different beast. And, and that's why I think the two work really well as kind of like yin and yang opposite sides of the same coin is that they're, they're intrinsically linked and, and they're part of the same overall package, which I guess is just me and, and my life and experiences and, and attitudes and approach to culture and music and people. But they're definitely different and they definitely like shine different sides of my personality and, and reward me in different ways. But stoke the fire is like, it's a whole other beast. It's like next level it's therapy yeah. really. Yeah. Nail on the head, man. And, and we're taught as kids. I certainly was by my parents where it's just like, you got a problem. You talk about it. Nowadays we have much more, um, lengthy and strengthened technology that allows for this type of therapy whether it's someone you trust one-to-one -one with your phone on the other side of the wall or getting on a podcast and saying i've got a problem and i'm actively working to try and fix it but i need help um i think i'm, I'm not even going to try and sound intelligent because i don't know what that's like and i don't know what you're going through but when you came out and said that um I had reached out to you like a week or, or maybe 10 days prior. And I'm like, wow, this guy, I kind of, I don't want to rush him or follow up or do anything that's going to upset him because he's not really, um, like, I don't know what state of mind you're in. I don't know if you're bettering yourself. If you're getting worse, I don't want to like do anything that's going to tip the edge. This is a pint of vodka right now and I've relapsed <laughs> already. No, no, I'm great, man. I'm, I'm the best I've been in a long that's time. Awesome, and man. What you say there, um, this wasn't a conscious thing, but it's something that's happened over time. Um, when I started my podcast, Life in the Stocks, 
Mark Maron and WTF was like the benchmark of quality for me. You know, the way he gets so deep and raw with his guests um, and so like personal um, with his audience in the intros as well. That was the gold standard. I was like, I want to do that bit in a more rock and roll music based situation. Um, and so he's always been my inspiration and my kind of like guiding light when it comes to interviewing and podcasting and stuff. But then he lost his his partner, Lynn, um, about a year or so ago, I guess. Now it was in the middle of the pandemic. It wasn't coronavirus. It was cancer, I think. But he lost his partner. Do you listen to Marin's show at all? Have you heard WTF? Yeah, I've I've heard a few episodes. He's gone bad on Joe Rogan recently, I think. Yeah, Remember he fucking hates that. Joe Rogan. Yeah, I think. yeah. yeah. And, uh, I I do too. I mean, there, there's some stuff about him that I respect, but like, I'm definitely a t- like a Marin guy. He just appeals more to my my sensibilities, I guess. Um, yeah, I saw the Obama he, episode. That was intense. Yeah, it was amazing. And who who even gets the president on a podcast, especially then? You know, when podcasting was still like an unknown word. Yeah. But he he loses his partner and he doesn't miss a show man and every single episode he's like he's fucking doing the grieving in real time on the mic and like that's not for everybody some people think that's crass and it's you know it's it's not correct and you should keep certain things private but i'm very much of that opinion i don't know whether it's because i'm like consciously trying to be like marin um, or whether it's just that we're very similar in our attitudes and that's inspired me but so the way I am, the way I am on social media and with my podcast is like, if I'm feeling something, I'm not going to call in sick and like miss, you know, I've taken time off from my show because I've been writing my second book and I've been DJing and I've been busy and I'm just like, there's too much workload here. I need some time out, but I've never felt like I couldn't step up because of the headspace that I was in. If anything, it's like, if I'm at my absolute lowest, get me on the zoom chat get the mic on and that's what's going to fucking lift drag not lift drag me kicking and screaming back from the pits of despair back into like the light is doing this like real time real conversations about real emotions and um yeah so when you sent me this kind of like really almost apologetic video this morning just like matt you don't have to do the show if you don't want to i get and i'm like no no dude let's go like i want to do it i really want to do it um i might feel differently if it was like a fucking you know an empty show that just was hosted by some airhead idiot and there was no weight or substance or connection then it might be like oh this is the last thing on earth that i want but this is like this is what i do man and it's it's an honor it's always an honor to be asked to be a guest on somebody else's show because you have to understand like i'm you usually and there was a time about a year or so ago i guess when i was bringing my book out and i was trying to like book interviews i started doing loads of podcast appearances i'd done a few peppered you know over the course of a few years before that but in the last two years done so many and it blows me away every time somebody asks it's you know it's it's a reminder that what i'm doing is valued at least by people who are doing the same thing like i don't feel very valued by the music industry um and this is something i've spoken about before and i won't we won't go too much into that now because otherwise it'll be another hour of ranting and raving but i just feel like in my industry my so-called peers have never really had my back or like supported or encouraged or even recognized what i do Uh, and it took me so many years of like fighting to get good guests on my show like every single guest i've ever had on and it's a pretty impressive, even if I do say so myself, back catalogue at this stage. It is. Uh, yeah. Every single guest has been so hard won and hard fought for. 
And so now as podcasting's booming and people like yourself are starting their shows and name check mine in the same way that I look to like, and I'm not saying I'm anywhere near the same level as Mark Maron, but what I'm saying is I heard his show and I was inspired to, you know, start my own and bring in a bit of what he did into my own thing. And then now I get to kind of be on people's shows and they're like, what you do is really fucking cool. And it's helped me kind of like, you know, want to do better and get bigger guests and have deeper conversations. And that's the fucking coolest thing in the world. Um, and it blew constantly um, and will continue to blow me away. So, yeah, to yeah. be here is great. And it is just water. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Eight days today, doing good. Awesome, man. I'm so happy for you, man. It's it's really cool because like I've been following your stuff for quite a long period of time and then only like after I send the reach out do I hear that you're going through all this stuff and then you you come back to me saying I'm actually doing pretty goddamn well I'm like well that's a fucking success story if I don't say so myself um so I'm I'm very happy for you man and again you have no idea who I am so just the fact that we're able to have this conversation is is just um it's surreal you know, like I remember you as the DJ when I walked into a Steel Panther show and I got my Wayne's World hat. You know what I mean? Um, Did you see so, the picture that I put up last night of me and my friend Mike for his birthday? Let me just pull it up here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. You, you were did. wearing the Wayne's in, World. In the Wayne costume, yeah. yeah I mean, isn't, isn't that just funny? Like we're talking just after Halloween for context for everyone. Yeah. And um, I just DJed. Actually, I saw Mike the last time I saw him. He's a French friend of mine, a DJ in France. Pardon me. DJ water. Mike Rock. The last time I saw him was on the Steel Panther tour in Paris. After the Paris date, we DJed an after party together. So it's kind of weird that I've just spent the weekend with him, dressed as Wayne, and then now Monday, the start of the next week, I meet you. You first met me there on that tour. Like, these things, and I'm learning kind of more about the mysteries and the magic in the world, and I'm coming round to it a lot more the older I get and the more hippie conversations i have on stoke the fire like i never used to be into any of that shit before i started stoke the fire i was very much just like this is a black and white world you know um not that like i have this dual dualistic view of the world but what i mean is like i believe in the physical and the explainable and then over time especially over this last couple of year insane period i've just had my eyes open to the i don't know man the unwritten laws of the world and and like just all of that you know synergy going on right there of mike and steel panther and you and here and now and where yeah. i'm at like over the last couple of weeks and you know because this conversation would have been completely different if i'd have been fine for the last month the whole basis of this conversation would have been a completely different theme um and it just so happens that it all kind of is interconnected in a weird way and i believe that we all are if, like if you're into a certain type of music this might be a stretch for some people and they might go oh, i don't know but i do believe if you like a certain type of music and you're a certain type of person and you have a certain world view um, and a certain attitude towards life then you're just going to be naturally drawn to similar people and the universe will find a way of bringing you together i believe that a lot more than i ever did before and i'm believing it more and more as i as I grow and evolve. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The The connection that I've got from people in the music industry, whether it be uh, just music fans, musicians, um, translate that across to the fight world. Some of my closest friends today are people who I've fought before. You know, one guy was invited to my wedding. It was that tight of a friendship. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I get it, man. I get it. You, like All that connection that is just manifested in the smallest 
moment in time, walking into a music venue and seeing uh, fucking Wayne doing his DJ thing has led to this hour of conversation. I love it. Yeah, because you wouldn't have followed me otherwise, you know? If, if, if you hadn't have had that, if you'd have just arrived for, for Steel Panther and you'd have missed my DJ set and you'd have never followed me and then you'd have maybe never heard my show, you probably wouldn't have heard my show. Yeah, wouldn't have found Stoke the Fire, perhaps. You would have found that through Jesse, I don't know, but you wouldn't have that backstory. It's yeah. wild. The, the tiniest moments in our lives can shape and define so much down the road, which is why, I mean, if we can kind of like maybe head towards a closing kind of point with this perhaps and tell That's me what right. you think about this, but as I enter into this strange world of sobriety now after 25 years of like hammering it and having it large, um, I say with an ironic eye roll, um, I'm excited now to be present in the moment and actually utilize these junctions in our life where a choice can actually like materialize into something really fucking cool because I'm going to be like clear and engaged and aware and not just, you know, clouded with the fog of the party, which has been a fun fog to be lost in for a long time. I did have a lot of great times, got a lot of fond memories, amazing stories. But now I do feel like I want to be able to make the kind of choices and decisions and take the kind of chances that are going to lead me to more moments like this rather than moments where I'm like lying in bed, hating myself, regretting what I did the last night, you know? So it's not like, oh man, I don't get to drink again, or at least for the foreseeable future. It's like, no, I get to do all these other cool things instead because I've done drinking long enough. Like I've, I've had that fucking experience and it's done and, yeah. and now i'm ready for new ones so bring it on world man that that's a good note to end on let me tell you amazing uh one question i did want to ask you what what has been if you can pinpoint it what has been your favorite concert to ever attend like i've been in a band but my favorite thing to do prior to pandemic was just go to concerts twice a month alcohol involved but what mm -hmm. has been your favorite concert that you've ever attended as a guest Fuck, man. You know, I've never been asked that question in my life, so I've never thought about it. Um, I'll give you a couple off the top of my head, and we can just select the top three, not necessarily in this order. So Monty Python Live would be way, way up there, way up there. It was all of them apart from the first one to die, who was the guy who played Brian, who was... Don't know. I don't know. It was the remaining five Pythons, and it was so good and so funny and so creative and, and it was just like joy you know they did this song about astrology and physics with stephen hawking and they had him flying through space on his wheelchair yeah. like every you know it's like that's the kind of humor that today some of these sketches might get cancelled in this fucking world we're in right but it's so childlike and innocent and joyful and everybody's in on the joke and nobody's the butt of the joke and you know to have stephen hawking like be like yeah i'll come and be on in this stupid little video segment with you where you're singing about fit quantum physics and that was way way up then because i'd never seen like an arena comedy show before you know like stand-ups one thing but when you have like costume changes and set design and production value and visuals like it was one of the most magical night outs ever so yeah monty python would be way up there um bob dylan and neil young uh, Hyde Park a couple of years ago would also be way up there because I've seen Bob Dylan three times now and the first two before that he was awful awful and he's like my number one favorite artist of all time the first time he just brought out a Frank Sinatra covers album 
and he only played Frank Sinatra covers for the set. He maybe did like blowing in the wind at the end, but other than that, it was an entire set of Frank Sinatra covers, which were unrecognizable as his original songs, you know, awful, awful, awful night out. The second time wasn't much better. Uh, It wasn't as bad as that because he actually did his own material, but you could just tell he didn't want to be there. And it was just a very lackluster, you know, uh, not unimaginative, but just uh, underwhelming live performance and then my friend Derek was like well dude we can't we're gonna go and see him again he was so bad last time and I was like yeah but this time he's playing after Neil Young and if anybody is gonna force fucking Bobby to up his game and pull his fucking head out of his ass and rock it's gonna be Neil Young because Neil Young kills live like I don't care what kind of music you like even if you're the heaviest rocker in the world Neil Young if he's playing with Crazy Horse is one of the heaviest most awesome rock and roll shows you'll ever see so we went to that Neil Young just decimated just killed and then Bob Dylan came out afterwards and was by his standards today amazing absolutely amazing and we were like fucking tripping on mushrooms as we were leaving we're like kind of just coming up we waited till the end of towards the end of the night to take them so we you know could remember the gig but then still leave on a zany kind of note and as we're leaving the site there's this busker dude and he's playing hurricane you know and there's this fucking massive circle of people around him the police are trying to shut this busk situation down and it just felt like Bob Dylan's protest music was more alive in Hyde Park that day than it well not more alive but as alive as it had ever ever been and everybody was just there comes the story of the hurricane (laughs) amazing night and then we like you know proceeded to just walk home from like Hyde Park to Hackney tripping on mushrooms just like the 60s are back man (laughs) yeah dude it was amazing and then I guess I would have to say number one let's just put this in here this is it's kind of both. It's as a uh, like a, an employee, as a as a worker, and as a punter as well, because I still get to see and watch and enjoy the bands. But Slam Dunk Festival just gone. Um, this is the last good weekend before you know my kind of dark period, let's say, began. I'm now back in the light, thankfully. But you know, from after Slam Dunk in September till like a week or two ago. I was super, super bad, and it was a whole bunch of other stuff that set it off that we won't get into here. If you want to learn more about that fun time, check out Stoke the Fire. But I got to share the stage with my all-time heroes, favorite band in the world, um, No Effects. And Fat Mike is my number one all-time just favorite person in music and culture. Has had a huge, huge, huge impact on me. If you pick up my book, which is available from all good bookstores, um, you'll read in the intro to the punk rock chapter about the, you know, the kind of the impact and effect that No Effects and Mike in particular had on me as a kid. But I wrote to him. I had him on my podcast um, in January. He was on as episode 201, I believe. And I'd been waiting 10 years to interview him. I finally did. It was amazing. We've since then formed a bit of a friendship, like a- occasional text and email goes back and forth. And I've been trying to get on the Slam Dunk Festival's bill as a DJ for the last few years on the Punk and Jublik stage because I'd done the Punk and Scar stage every year for like six or seven years in a row. And then Fat Mike has his own stage there. And I was like, well, cool. I've been doing it for six years. Now I'm going to get to play with fucking No Effects and Fat Mike. But Fat Mike doesn't like DJs. So it turns out that there's not going to be any DJs on this show because he doesn't like them. So... First year takes place, there's no DJs. Next year, I asked my mate again, Ben, who runs the festival. I was like, please get me on the bill. He's like, I've asked, man. I've asked the agent. I've asked everybody in his camp, but Mike just doesn't like DJs, so it's a no again, I'm afraid. So after I interviewed him and got to know him a bit, I emailed him earlier this year and was like, Mike, I know you don't like DJs, 
but if there's any DJ in the world that you're going to like, it's going to be me. So can I please come and DJ your stage at Slam Dunk? And he was like, yeah, go on then, fuck it. Um, Beautiful. And so I did. I did. And um, I ended up hanging out with not just no effects, but like bands that I've toured and, and traveled and, and played many festivals and, and live shows with and bands I've grown up watching and loving like Snuff, King Prawn, The Skints, Frank Turner. And after 18 months of COVID, you know, like reclusion and like just you've been denied all of this not just live music experience, but the communal gathering experience that shows and festivals facilitate to get back in that world in that way with all of my friends and, and like favorite bands, favorite people, favorite all time fucking band, like to be in that mix with all of them and perform in front of like thousands and thousands of people as my first gig back over two weeks, no, two days in, in beautiful, you know, summer sunshine weather was, yeah, I think that'll be my favorite show forever because unless gigs go away for five years and then they come back and then that one's supporting acdc somewhere like i don't think i'll ever top that gig um and i was you know fucking crying my eyes out when frank turner was singing recovery i was just like oh my god um yeah that was probably the best day well best two consecutive days of my life to date right there so yeah today as of now that would be it monty python bob dylan neil young slam dunk 2021 with no effects et al amazing i was expecting um <clears throat> i was not that i was expecting anything but i was expecting something more like hard rock but you you really like you're so eclectic with your music it's not just like the the rock stars like cantrell johnny five uh zach wilde it's just you go all the way back and, and monty python of all acts as well i can't <laughs> believe that made a top three that's fantastic I just love art. I love cinema. I love theatre. I love musicals. I love rock and roll. I love literature. Do you love and Nickelback? If, uh, do you know what? I've seen Nickelback live and they are highly entertaining. And I, I would recommend, them. I would recommend, oh, well, I wouldn't recommend, I would challenge anybody who says they don't like Nickelback to go and see them live and tell me you don't have a fun night out. I'd never listen to their music. I'd never play their CD. <laughs> Um, you know, if a song comes on the radio by them, I'm probably not going to be singing along. But if I'm with 8,000 other people in arena and that Nickelback are firing out Jaeger shots from a super soaker cannon into the crowd and there's beautiful girls on shoulders singing along and everybody's just there to celebrate life and have a good time, chances are I'm going to sing along and I'm going to yes. have a good time. And I had a great night out watching Nickelback. And I mean, they're an easy target, aren't they? You know, I hate yeah. Nickelback. Oh, fucking wow. What an original diss. Yeah, um, it's the cool thing to do, right? I, yeah, I saw yeah. Them, and it, uh, it's just easy, man. It's just a cheap shot. Cheap yeah, shot. It's ridiculous. I saw them. They opened for Bon Jovi in Dublin 2004. Fuck me. That's a night out. Dude, it was such a good show. And ever since then, anyone who has said, oh, I don't like Bon Jovi. No, go see them live. They're awesome. Yeah. The, the yeah, bass yeah. is up loud. The drummer is loud. Everything is just loud. Like a, a drum. I'm a drummer. I used to be a drummer. And when the bass and drums are loud, I'm happy. And I was like right on the, the golden circle, like inside the, the little pit guy. Nickelback killed it for me, man. Anytime I talk to a musician, I always judge them by their answer to the Nickelback question. How cool <laughs> do you think you are? It's not how cool are you? It's how cool do you think you are? Do you think that you're too cool to admit that you like Nickelback? Now, I'm cool enough to be comfortable with my admiration for Nickelback. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love it. Man, that is so good to have talked to you for so long. I, I, I 
I'm so happy right now. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, dude. Dude, the pleasure's all mine. Keep doing what you're doing. And um, yeah, and, and just uh, if you ever want to come see Kill Switch in Switzerland, should they make it there, not that I'm going to be there or I'm even in the band, but I will make sure that Jesse links you up. And if you're ever back in Ireland or the UK, um, link me up, man, or look me up and let's hang 100%. out. And I'll grab a non-alcoholic Guinness with you. Sounds good. I'm man. yet to try it. I'm yet to try it, but Guinness is actually my favorite drink in the world. So yeah. when I do try it, and if hopefully it tastes even half as good as the the OG Guinness, then yeah. I'm stocking up on that for this winter, and that's going to be my winter tipple of choice. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to Ireland in a couple of weeks to DJ in Dublin, um, ah, yeah. and then I'm and I'm there next year in Belfast and Dublin with the Keith Buckley live Q and A thing that I'm doing. And um, it's my favorite country, man. I'd say it's my favorite country in all of Europe. I just fucking adore the people, the spirit, the music, the language. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that, uh, you know, has come from Ireland over the years. And what's made it cool historically is still alive and well there, I find. Um, whereas I do find, like, a lot of countries, this one I'm in right now included, what perhaps once did make it kind of great is perhaps no longer um here and and present so i'm always happy to go to ireland and if i'm in switzerland i'm looking you up done deal man we'll be done dinner on me sounds good guys thank you very much for listening to my podcast if you like what you hear please hit the subscribe button also hit like or dislike or leave a nice comment or leave a nasty comment don't hit dislike (laughs) it all helps the algorithm bro um uh I'm trying to sound cool, dude. Um, Sorry, mate. I've just thrown your game there. Haven't I? Does, <laughs> does that actually, that helps your algorithm if people dislike your shit? Is oh, that yeah. true? Yeah. Oh, Any mate. interaction I mean, what, at all. What kind of a world are we living in where somebody going, eh, thumbs down is going to help you? There you Fucking go, man. Hell. That's YouTubers, the bloody hell. <laughs> Apple, Spotify, listen to us, share with your friends, make me bigger so that I get asked onto a podcast. Is that too much to ask? Dream big, dude. This time in two years, you'll be guesting. You'll be guesting. It took me a good three and a half, four. So yeah, there's plenty of time, dude. And you're putting out three episodes a week. You'll you'll have caught up to me soon enough. I'm on 239 as we talk now, but you'll probably be there in about three months, the rate you're going. I'm on your heels, bro. I'm on your (laughs) heels now. (laughs) Guys, thank you very much for listening. Talk to you soon, Matt. Cheers, buddy.